0: Paul continues in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians dealing with various aspects of his ministry and its effects in his life but also its effects upon the lives of others and it becomes a model for us to learn how to serve the Lord in a in an effective manner who could argue that the apostle Paul's life was anything less than incredibly effective, incredibly fruitful, incredibly blessed of God. And so he continues in this chapter telling us why he does what he does. And it's important for us to know that. That helps us when we understand why Paul did what he did and what motivated him, then we can learn what we should be doing and how it should motivate us. And we begin in verses 9 and 10 with the statement about our accountability to God. Therefore, we read, We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We make it our aim, This is a statement of purpose. We are ambitious, and he's talking, of course, about being ambitious to be pleasing to God. And he opens that statement by saying whether we are at home with the Lord, in other words, in heaven, or if we are absent from the Lord, that is, continuing our ministry upon the earth, we make it our aim to be pleasing to God because we are destined to to be forever with the Lord, that is coming, and we need to be thinking about that, and therefore pleasing to Christ during our earthly sojourn, because that's really all that matters. We are going to be forever with the Lord. Think about that, and think about what your record will be when you meet him and are going to be forever with him. I pause at this point to welcome you to this Monday, December 5, 2022. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for remembering that we are supported by radio listeners, at least in a large measure of the cost of, of being on this station. And we are getting close to the end of the year. We are in December, and this is a good time to think about your giving to the Lord, and perhaps you would consider a special year-end gift for the Beacon broadcast. So, Paul's overarching ambition, therefore we, he's talking about himself and those that labor with him, his missionary team, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. It probably doesn't doesn't sound exactly right for us to think about in terms of being well-pleasing to Christ when we are present with Him. It certainly makes sense to talk in those terms as we think about our life here upon the earth when we're absent from the Lord. But Paul is thinking about the record that we construct around our lives here upon the earth as it follows us into heaven and into our face-to-face meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to be well-pleasing to Him at that time. And, of course, in order to do that, we've got to make our lives well-pleasing to Him during this time. And if we do that, then we'll have a well-pleasing greeting, a well-pleasing conversation, a well-pleasing result when we are with Him forevermore. Now, that needs to be our ambition. It certainly was Paul's. And the question for all of us is, what are you living your life for? Are you living it for Christ, or are you living it for self? Will you be pleased when you come into the presence of Christ with what you have done with your life upon the earth, or will you have regrets? Now, I think it would be fair to say that because none of us are fully sanctified yet, we are all going to have some measure of regrets. It's not an all-or-nothing thing. It's not that we will be 100% pleased with what we have done upon the earth or that we will be 100% disappointed with everything that we have done upon the earth. There's going to be a mixture. There's no question about that. But let's talk about it in terms of, what shall we say, majority of, of percentages. And the question is, are you living for Christ or are you living for self? And if you are living for Christ, of course you will do some things that you will later regret that you didn't didn't leave those things off or that you didn't apply yourself more fervently in your service for Christ. All of us will have those things. But there's a there's a general trend to all of our lives and that is are we living primarily for Christ, or are we living primarily for ourselves? And each one of us are going to have to evaluate our lives, be honest, be honest with what is going on in our lives, and answer that question for ourselves, because someday we're going to have to answer it before the Lord. So, Paul's overarching ambition was to be pleasing to God, That needs to be ours as well. But then we read in verse 10 about Paul's ever-present reflection, and that tells us that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, there are some details revealed about this Appearance before the judgment seat of Christ, but not all of our questions are answered. But let's deal with some of the things that we know. When are we going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ? And it is going to be at the time of the second coming of Christ. When he comes, we must stand before him and give an account. Who? Who is going to stand before him and give an account? Is that going to be all people, or is that going to be just all believers? When he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. It seems apparent to me that in this text and in this context, Paul is talking about believers. That does not mean that that rules out the judgment of, that awaits unbelievers as well. But we can't really talk much in terms of doing good for unbelievers, only bad, because the heart's not right, the motives are not right, so even the good things that are done are not really good as evaluated by God. Now, the question is also, what co- what judgment we were talking about? There are some viewpoints that put the judgment of believers and unbelievers in two separate categories, even in two different time frames that are separated by uh, a significant period of time. The judgment seat of Christ for believers at one time, the great white throne judgment for unbelievers at another time. Well, I'm not going to get into that now because I don't want to get into the details of eschatology, but it must be understood that Christ is the judge of all believers and unbelievers. That's the way that it is presented here. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so this is a comprehensive judgment, a comprehensive judgment. Accountability, account, accounting, all believers, according to the context. And all believers are going to be manifest, laid bare, stripped of every facade. The full reality of each believer's character and conduct, his secret thoughts and deeds, as well as those that are more open, In other words, what we really are, not what we pretend to be, not what we want other people to think we are, but what we really are, is going to be manifested when we appear at this time of judgment before the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be a time of recompense for the deeds of the body. And I use that term recompense because that encompasses both rewards for faithful service, as well as loss for unfaithfulness. It involves both. Now, again, the details, what precisely the rewards are, are not spelled out in this passage. What precisely the loss involves is not spelled out in this passage. But Paul is telling us that this day is coming for everyone. He recognizes that it's coming for himself. But he makes it clear this is for everybody. We must all, that is certainly all believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So when he uses that plural we in verse 9, he's only speaking about himself and members of his missionary team when he says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. But the implication is we should all do the same. But when he moves to verse 10, he makes it clear that he has broadened that pronoun we, to include all believers. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, that's on the earth, according to what he has done, that's our, our labors, our, our motives, our faithfulness or lack thereof in serving Christ upon the earth, we're going to going to be evaluated according to what we have done. We're going to receive the things done in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad, whether pleasing to Christ or not, whether obedient to Christ or disobedient, whether showing a life of, of faith, And surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, or pulling back from that and giving our devotion to Christ more of a half hearted effort, while our primary concern is to live for ourselves, our pleasures, our possessions our honor and position upon the earth, that that's really what we're most concerned about, and that's what we spend our greatest efforts toward. And if that's the case, then when we stand before the Lord at at this judgment seat of Christ, we are going to suffer great loss. All of those things that we lived for are going to be put in the category of bad, not good. And we are going to suffer loss accordingly. And that needs to be soberly considered and kept before us at all times. That's what will make our life upon the earth moving in the right direction rather than wandering in a selfish direction. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying, Good day. May God give you his eternal peace.